0: With Back to God Ministries, how's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Listen, I know. We've all been seeing what's going on in the land about revival. All I'm saying, because I never, ever want to come against what Holy Spirit is, in fact, doing in the land. But the question on the floor today is, how do we resist sin In this present evil age. Because beloved. We don't know everything about God. But there are some things. We know with certainty. And one of them. Is. If you do not repent. If you do not stop sinning. We're going to perish. That's. The primary reason why we go out and preach this good, great gospel. And let us also be clear about what we do know of our Lord. Without repentance, there will be no revival. I know everyone is looking for signs and wonders, But if you are still stuck in your sins and there is no repentance, there will be no revival. Remember, beloved, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And what else do we know about Holy God? He won't be mocked. Listen, Psalm 10:15. He will come in power and glory, and when he does, he will break the arm of the wicked and call his wickedness to account till you find none. Yes, beloved, Christ will have the last word over wickedness. I know The Holy Spirit is moving on God's people like never before. Can we believe every revival we see springing up? And this is where spiritual discernment must have its way. It would be awesome. If this land, America, that's the land I'm living in, it would be so awesome that we see 2 Corinthians chapter 7 playing out. Let us go to it. Starting over here in verse 13 of 2 Corinthians. No, I'm sorry, not 2 Corinthians, Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verses 13 to 16. The Lord says, because he was saying this to Solomon. Actually, let us take it from verse 11. Because this is God's promise and warning. And so Solomon finished finished the house, temple of the Lord, and the palace of the king. He successfully accomplished all that he had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send... Pestilence and plague among my people, verse 14. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek, crave, require as a necessity my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear them from heaven. And forgive their sin. And heal their land. Now my eyes will be open. And my ears attentive to prayer. Offered in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified, and set apart for my purpose this house, that my name may be here forever, and my eyes and my heart will be here perpetually. Amen. So, beloved, we see the promise that if we turn from our wicked ways, God will heal heal this land he has his ear attentive to that prayer but what if a land does not turn from their wicked ways now this is not to say that a revival won't happen It can't happen, but if we look at the scriptures, namely that Paul was saying how in these last days there will be perilous times, even Jesus says that the love of many will wax cold and he talks about in the what book what book is that where paul was talking about the apostasy you all can go look that up but even christ was talking about this falling away so where is this true revival where is it taking place? Now, I know right now there's supposedly a revival going on at Asbury University in Kentucky. I don't have any comment about that because I never want to make any blasphemous statements about what the Holy Spirit is doing and what he is not doing. All I'm saying, without true repentance, where can there be true revival? Because revival is all about awakening that sleeping giant if you will awakening that fire and zeal one had for the lord the body of christ does need to be awakened and if we if we look at 1 corinthians 15 uh, verses 33 to 34. In verse 34, it speaks about a rise to righteousness. Wake yourselves up. And then it tells us to stop sinning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So when you wake up from this stupor of sin and idolatry, and laziness, and and godlessness. The next thing is to stop sinning. So we see repentance and revival going hand in hand, if you will. All we got to do is look at this disgusting, wicked, vile, abominable, detestable land called America, and we see they are doing everything but repenting. Beloved, we cannot be deceived. Again, I am not coming against what's going on in at Asbury University. Let us not be mistaken, however, you got false prophets and teachers, charlatans who will take this. If this is truly a move of God, well, they would take this, take this as an opportunity to further their agenda of what? Signs and wonders. What I see coming down the pike many books, articles, magazines, write-ups, interviews, paid interviews about what took place or what supposedly had taken place and many of these charlatans will be front and center to get paid for their accounts because I'm quite sure they are dispatching their minions to go there as witnesses to come back with a report so that they can now document it in a book, a CD, a DVD, a documentary, all for money. So, beloved... The Holy Spirit had me go off on that tangent for a reason. In these last days, evil will abound more and more, and we must be ever careful what we call the move of Holy Spirit. Because, right Holy Spirit, the proof in the pudding if this is really going down over there at that university in, in Kentucky, as all these accounts say, well, we should see some fruits of repentance. If this is a true Holy Spirit filled revival, then we should see major change in people lifestyles. Only time will tell. And as the clock keeps on ticking, what's staying in my mind is what Christ said. Let's go to it. Here we are. Matthew 24. Because Christ was giving us these signs of his return. So let's take it at the top. Verse 1, Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple area and was going on his way when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the magnificent and massive buildings of the temple. And he said to them, do you see all these things? I assure you and most solemnly say to you, not one stone here will be left on another which will not be tore down. While Jesus was seated on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will these When will this destruction of the temple take place? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end? Completion, consummation of the age. Jesus answered, be careful. Okay? Verse 4, he's telling us right before he comes, He's telling us what these signs that will show up. And first off, he is telling us, be careful that no one misleads you, deceiving you and leading you into error. For many will come in my name misusing it and appropriating the strength of the name which belongs to me, saying, I am the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, and they will mislead many. You will continually Hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end of the age, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs, of the intolerable anguish and the time of unprecedented trouble." Then they will hand you over to endure tribulation and will put you to death, verse 9, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will be offended and repelled by their association with me and will fall away. See, beloved He's talking about believers who were following Jesus. But because of offense and persecution, they fell away. And he says, and will fall away from the one whom they should trust and will betray one another, handing over believers to their persecutors and will hate one another and guess what else is going to happen verse 11 many false prophets many false prophets will appear and mislead many because lawlessness is increased the love of most will grow cold but the one verse 13 hallelujah but the one who endures and bears up under suffering to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom, the gospel, will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end of the age will come. Amen. And then if we quickly come on down to verse 24, where we at? We at Matthew 24. So let us come down to verse 24. He says, uh, as a matter of fact, verse 23. Then if anyone says to you during, during the great tribulation, look. Here is the Christ. Or there he is. Do not believe it. Do not believe it. So, beloved, again, tell me how the church will be raptured out of here before the great tribulation when Christ himself is saying about the great tribulation that people will say, there he is. Look, here is the Christ. He said, do not believe it. He's saying this is going to happen during the great tribulation. So who is Christ talking to if not the church about don't believe when these people, these false prophets are saying Christ is over here. Look, there he's at. He's saying, don't believe it. Verse 25. No, verse 24. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and they will provide great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect, God's chosen ones. Amen. He says, if possible, meaning God's truly chosen ones will not be deceived by that. Namely, we already have his word on the matter. He's telling us, don't be deceived. Don't believe it. When they say, during this great tribulation, Christ is over there. Look. Here he is, he's telling us, don't believe it. So, if you follow Christ, and we are living during the great tribulation, and if you follow these false Christs, then you will be deceived and led astray. But he's saying, if possible, meaning God's true children, Christ's true sheep, will not be deceived. So, verse 25, Matthew 24. He said, listen, listen carefully. I have told you in advance. So if they say, (laughs) listen, so if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness. Do not go out there. He's telling us what to do or look. He is in the inner rooms of a house. Christ says, do not believe it. Listen, when Christ returns, it's not going to be a secret. It's not going to be hidden somewhere. He's not going to be in some isolated place over there, up there in the rooms, out there in the wilderness. No, He says in verse 27, For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming in glory of the Son of Man. Everyone will see him clearly. And then he gives this analogy. Verse 28 Wherever the corpse is there, the vultures will flock together. Amen. That's a sign. Wherever you see a carcass, a dead carcass, you will always see vultures. That's a sign. Listen to what he's saying. That's a sign that something is dead in the mist. Why? There's a bunch of vultures over there. So he's giving his people signs of when he returns. Now listen to verse 29. Okay. Because Christ is not confused at all about his coming. Is man who keeps coming up with these various timelines and different periods about the rapture. Listen to verse 29. He says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Because from this point on, the Lord is talking about the glorious return. He said immediately after the tribulation, not before, after. And if you all want your King James Version, well, here you go. Verse 29, immediately After the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see. He's saying everyone shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power, with power and great glory. Amen. And guess what's going to happen in verse 31. Okay, now again, please tell me about a a pre-trib rapture because Christ is saying immediately after the tribulation. And so in verse 31, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect. From the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, this will be done in sight of all the tribes. Everyone will see this. This rapture will not be a secret. I keep telling you all, put down those satanic, unbiblical, left-behind books, CDs, not CDs, DVDs. Put that all away. They talk about a secret rapture that will take place before any persecution of the Antichrist. When, in fact, Christ says that... The student is not greater than his master. So if Christ suffered, if Christ went through great tribulation, what makes you think that his true sheep will not suffer and go through tribulation, persecution, even death? If he went through all of that, you mean to tell me we are going to escape when he already told us that the student, if you are his disciple, his student, his follower, his true sheep, that we are not greater than he, if he went through it, what makes you think we won't go through it? Well, the Bible says we have not been appointed to God's wrath. And you write, What is his wrath? Divine judgment, a.k.a. this lake of fire. Amen. So, that's it for that. Now, you all can take it down because it goes down to verse 51. Amen. So, beloved, we, we had to take that whole back trail to get to what the Holy Spirit wants us to hone in on today. How do we resist sin in this present evil age? Because there are two times in the Gospels when Jesus tells people to go and sin no more. One is after he healed the man by the pool of Bethesda over there in John five fourteen, And the other is after he rescued the woman caught in the very act of adultery from getting stoned to death over there in John 8:11 because in the very next verse he's telling the crowd I am the light of the world he who follows me will not walk will not walk in the darkness but will have the light of life amen And I will be remiss if I don't swing us by Luke 13 so that we can get the biblical understanding of what repentance means. What happens when a person repents? We see Jesus over here in Luke 13. Let us take it straight at verse 3 because we all know what happened, right? Because some people came to Jesus telling him about the Galileans whose blood that Pilate, the governor, had mixed with their sacrifices. Yeah, completely disgusting. And Jesus had replied to them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they have suffered in this way? Well, in verse 3, he says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways and live changed lives. Amen. So, beloved, we see what repentance, according to scripture, what it is. It is to change your old way of thinking. Mm -hmm. The way the Holy Spirit gave it to me is that no longer do you think sin is the big time fun. No longer do you think fornication is okay. No longer do you think adultery is okay. Smoking weed, masturbation, watching porn, lying and stealing, gossiping, backbiting, being divisive hating on the brethren, steeped in idolatry, immolation, murder, hate, lying. None of that attracts you anymore. You have now changed your old way of thinking. Once you hear the gospel, how Christ died for your sins on the cross and rose the third day, And he became a sin offering, laying down his life, appeasing God's divine righteousness that demanded payment for sin. Well, Christ became the propitiation for our sins, his self-sacrifice on the cross on our behalf it appeased God's wrath. Again, God's judgment demanded payment for sin. Well, we know as sinful people, we could never have paid that price. There's nothing we could have done that would have appeased God's righteous Holy, divine judgment on sin. Nothing we could have done. Listen, we all needed Christ Jesus. And so when you hear that good news that God has made a way for sinners to To be made right with him when we place our faith in Jesus Christ and going forward with this renewing of the mind, we are born again from the spirit above. And so he says, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways and live changed lives. Amen. And that's doable because when he ascended to heaven, he prayed to the Father, and the Father sent Holy Spirit to sanctify us, set us apart from this world unto God for his purposes, for his plans for our lives and for the kingdom. Listen, we got work to do as believers. Not all of us are called into the, as they say, the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But as believers, we have a ministry. You want to know what it is called? the Ministry of Reconciliation. We join with Christ in the recovery mission of the lost. The harvest is plenteous. It's the laborers, beloved, that are few. Who is going to preach to this sick, dying, disgusting world the good news? That you don't have to die in your sins. You can actually come to Christ and through his shed blood, you can have forgiveness of your sins. Because salvation, which is the free gift, we didn't earn it, nothing we could have done to get it. It is by God's grace. This wonderful salvation comes through repentance if there is no changing of the mind if there is no turning from sin and turn back to God one cannot receive the wonderful precious gift of salvation there must be a change of your mindset in order to believe What Christ has done for you, and now that we are in Christ, there's work to do. Namely, as individuals, because we must now produce fruits of righteousness in keeping with our repentance, and we are to go and call men and women to repentance. Because when we sit with Holy Spirit, guess what happens? We get assignments. We we incline our ear to the Lord to hear thus saith the Lord. And when you are completely devoted, you are completely faithful and committed to Christ, you will get assignments. And if you don't get those assignments right away, well be a student of his word. Listen, we all must have a wilderness period where where we sit with Holy Spirit to get broken to get all of those chains and strongholds broken off our lives so that the Father can use us. Listen, these vessels must be clean and honorable for the Master's use and we cannot be honorable vessels if we are still attached to this world. Being deceived... With all of these various winds of doctrines. Beloved, in order to recognize the counterfeit, we must know what the true Messiah is. We must know who the real, and I'm talking about the real, Jesus Christ, the one who told us over here in Luke 13, repent. Otherwise, you will all likewise perish. And we see it again in verse five. I tell you no, because he was also mentioning about those 18 on whom the tower in Solomon fell and killed. Were they were they worse sinners than all the others who lived in, in Jerusalem? He says, "I tell you no, but unless you repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways, and live changed lives, you will all likewise perish. So, how do we, how do we resist sin in this present age? Well, James told us. Let us, where are we at, James 4. Mm-hmm. Let us start from verse 1. Because the scripture I want us to focus on is verse 7. In order To understand in its context about verse 7, we must start it up in verse 1. Because James talks about things to avoid, resist. Look, he says with this question, What leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts among you? Do they not come from your hedonistic desires? That means your self-indulgent, pleasure-seeking, pleasure-loving, immoderate, extravagant, fast-living, decadent desires that wage war in your bodily members fighting for control over you. You are jealous and covet what others have and your lust goes unfulfilled. You sow murder. You are envious and cannot obtain the object of your envy. See what's happening to most believers? Mm -hmm. Look at all this sin that we continue to indulge in. And then the moment there's wind of a revival, everyone wants to flock over there, but no one is repenting. No one is truly turning from their sins. Everyone wants to see a sign and wonder and move of God healings and miracles and then once this is over because eventually it's coming to an end and then you go back home you on this spiritual high for about a good week and when that wears off because you are truly lukewarm your your guilty conscience have you flocking to all of these conventions and forums and conferences and, and revivals, but you're not turning from your sins. Beloved, you must come out of willful, blatant sin if there shall be any true revival. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The fact that there's a yearning for revival is a testament that the church is lukewarm. If the church was already on fire for the Lord, there will be no need in yearning, burning, achy, breaky for revival. Because listen, this revival is not for sinners, they don't want God. And for the most part, God has turned them over to be reprobates. They ain't looking for no revival. So what needs to be revived? The church. And in my humble opinion, that's a doggone shame. Shame. Why does the church needs to be revived? Shouldn't we already be on fire for the Lord? I get it. Sometimes life happens and we allow things, the cares of our lives to choke out the word of God. The problem is, if we are firmly planted in Jesus, completely devoted, so that no matter what happens, no matter who comes, who goes, who dies, if the money dries up, even if we are ill in these physical bodies, why are we growing cold To Jesus. I know a lot. I know the reason. I believe I know the reason. It's called being shipwrecked. In your faith. The problem is. We have a false church in operation. mm -hmm, Where these false messiahs. Are being preached. You have so many false doctrines. Running rampant throughout the body It's not even funny You got your once saved, always saved You got your easy, easy peasy Lemon squeezy, grace, grace, grace you got your damnable prosperity gospel, naming and claiming, blabbing and grabbing. All you got to do is bring God money and you will have your best life ever. And then all of these false prophets are just smiling in your face, tickling your ears because you are in sin. They are in sin. And then when, when real trouble comes, which nine times out of ten is God's chastening you because he wants you to truly wake up and come out from amongst these false prophets, you say, it's the devil, it's not the devil, and then there you go, run into a deliverance ministry, there you go, binding and loosening the devil, rebuking the devil, and the Bible does not tell us to do any of that. And here you go pleading the blood of Jesus just slapping the blood over your money, your house, your car. Everybody gets covered in the blood of Jesus. Again, false doctrine. Nowhere in the scriptures do we see the apostles doing this. And then when trouble hits, we just fall to pieces. Rather than cling even harder to Jesus remain abiding in him, we just fall off and break ourselves off. Why? Because we don't see the blessings of God showing up in our lives. And so back over here to James 4, look at all what's what's happening. He says, You are envious and cannot obtain the object of your envy, so you fight and battle. You do not have because you do not ask it of God. You ask God for something and do not receive it because you ask with wrong motives, out of selfishness, or with an unrighteous agenda so that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your hedonistic desires. Yes, self-indulgence will bring us down each and every time, beloved. Listen, verse 4 of James 4. You adulterous, disloyal sinners flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend that is loving the things of the world is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses, okay, to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say to no purpose that the human spirit which he has made to dwell in us lust with envy. But he gives us more and more grace through the power, listen, of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Beloved, where's my bell? James just spoke a word. Amen. This is what the Holy Spirit keeps putting in this spirit in my in my soul to constantly express exactly this let us read it again verse 6 but he gives us more and more grace through the power of the holy spirit to do what take his grace as a license to sin Absolutely not. And this is what we try to tell the camp of one saved, always saved. That you cannot live however you want just because of God's grace. And they will say, well, he gives us more and more of his grace. We cannot out his grace. Well, guess what, precious? This grace is not meant for you to abuse it and take it as a license to sin. This grace of the Holy Spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit is to defy sin Mm-hmm. Not to, not to take on more and more sin because Paul says, ask the question, do we do that? Since we, the very ones, do we continue to live in sin? Absolutely not because of his grace. So, so we just have it abound more and more. No, this grace, Titus 2 11, also teaches us that this same grace teaches us to reject all ungodliness and immoral, lustful desires. So, over here, through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin. And what is defy? It means to defeat, frustrate, baffle, elude, challenge, throw down the gauntlet. It means to resist, beloved. It means to hold out against. It means to take a stand against sin, to confront it to meet it head on and resist it. It don't mean just, you know what, just keep on giving into it because after all, we have 1 John 1, 9 and you all are tucking 1 John 1, 9 in your back pockets as if it is your Ace in the hole that you can live any kind of life you choose however you want and all you got to do when you know God has had enough here you go pulling out first John 1 9 talking about well the Bible says If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Amen. And you're right. You also must pull out that God won't be mocked. Listen, you and I, If we keep sowing to this nasty stinking flesh from the flesh, we shall reap eternal destruction. Since you want to pull out scripture, well, take us over there to Galatians. Take me over to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, where Paul is telling us the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God take us over there to Revelation 21 verse 8 because Christ has a lot to say about who will end up in that burning lake of fire, blazing with fire and burning sulfur. If you want to take me over to Scripture, take me to Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death. But... The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Amen. So back over here, James 4, 6, but he gives us more and more grace. Thank you, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life. Beloved. We ain't supposed to be sinning no way. We are and have been commanded to live obedient lives because of God's grace. Because of His grace. Not in spite of His grace that we still get to live like a bunch of hellions. No. But to live changed repented godly lives because of his grace that's how we are to resist sin in this present age look where are we at hmm right through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life. That reflects, that reflects, that reflects both our faith. Come on now, because he also, <laughs> James, James also tells us over there in James chapter 2. About faith and good works. They go hand in hand. They reflect one another. So, uh huh, that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Amen. Beloved, this is how we resist sin in this present age. We live, change lives in appreciation and gratitude for our salvation. That's how we live in this evil world with all of this satanic imagery going on. That's how. And then we have, where it says, therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud and haughty, but continually gives the the gift of grace to the humble. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. God tells us to whom he gives his grace to. It ain't to the proud. Mm-mm. It ain't to the haughty. Mm-mm. It is to the humble. Listen, who turn away from self righteousness. Verse 7, here we go. So, so, submit. He says, so. So means what? Well, it means in light of what he just said. All that he just said from verses 1 through 6. Here we are at verse 7. So submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. That means stand firm against him and he will flee from you. Verse 8. Come close. Come on now. This is how we resist sin in this present evil age. Coming close to God with a contrite heart. And what does contrite mean? What does it mean to have a contrite heart? Well, we know contrite is an adjective, a feeling or expressing remorse or penance affected by guilt, a broken and a contrite heart. It means to be remorseful, repentant. Regretful, apologetic, sorry. It means to be guilt ridden, conscious stricken. And what is the opposite? Well, <laughs> the opposite is to be defiant, mm-hmm, unrepented, yup, rebellious, haughty, proud. Yes, everything but lowly in spirit, coming to God with godly sorrow about your wicked behavior, mm-hmm. humbling yourself to God, not off in self righteousness. I, I don't need to repent for what. The bishop says, my past, my present and my future sins well guess what miss cynthia they've all been nailed to the cross so it don't matter how i live because my future sins along with the present and the past sins they've all been taken care of jesus so I don't need to live a repentant of life. All I need to do is just believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah? Really? Well, yes. Because the Bible says if you believe in your heart, okay, you know what? Save it. Save it. Because I keep telling y'all, y'all keep wanting to drive me by all these scriptures. But what about these? Okay, here we go. Since you want to keep throwing scripture my way, listen, 1 Peter 1 15. But as he who called you, okay, miss born again, sanctified believer in Christ Jesus under the new blood covenant, well, as he called you is holy, you also be holy in what? All your conduct. Yes. How can we forget Galatians 2.20? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. And this piggybacks on what James was saying, that we live lives in gratitude for our salvation. Yes. And then we have Romans 12 two. do not miss. I got a thousand scriptures about God's grace. Uh Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal, by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good, beloved, and acceptable, precious, and perfect, my brother. Amen. Because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let us not forget Hebrews 9, 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Oh, yes, beloved. Right. Speaking of Titus 2, come down to verse 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us From what? All lawlessness. And to do what? Perify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for what? Good works. Yes. And just because you want to be smart, Let me give you 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 7 to 8. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen. And speaking of Holy Spirit, John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Amen. So, Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, because when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So, not only that, little Miss Missy, Matthew five sixteen. Okay, this is how we ought to live in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Amen. Get me started. (laughs) I'm telling you, I absolutely love the word of God. So yeah, the fact that this, this world is calling for a revival, I don't know if that is a good thing or a bad thing. Yes, it is good that we should all wake up. As a matter of fact, that reminds me. Hold on. Here we are. 1 Corinthians 15, right? Starting in verse 33. Yep, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Be sober-minded. Be sensible. Wake up from your spiritual stupor as you ought and stop sinning. For some of you, listen, for some of you have no knowledge of God. You are disgracefully ignorant of him and ignore his truth. I say this to your shame. Amen. See, beloved. Listen, in closing, back over here to James 4, because I believe that Scripture is unanimous about how we live in this evil present age and how we are, in fact, as born-again children of the Most High God, we have the capacity to, To resist sin. You want to know how we have that capacity. And the unsaved world. Does not. Is because we are spirit filled. Without the Holy Spirit. This is not possible to do. And so that is why. Paul says that we must examine. Where we are in the faith. Because. If you are claiming the name and you keep saying it is impossible to stop sinning, well, I hate to break it to you, precious. You very well may not have Holy Spirit because once the spirit of grace comes to dwell in this transformed, regenerated spirit, he teaches us. And trains us in righteousness and holy living. He comes to glorify Jesus and to bring to our remembrance all what he has taught. So I walked this crazy walk about claiming the name and and living in sin. So, I do have knowledge about, I have personal knowledge about how we can be deceived that we are serving Jesus and still living in sin. That's not possible. Listen, I'm not talking about missing the mark. I'm not, I'm not even talking about. Sinless perfection because that happens once he comes when we are glorified. However, while we are still in this flesh body that still wants to walk out in sin, we tell it. No, we ain't doing that. So I, I get it, but I'm here to tell you that we must live change lives and we cannot do that without Holy Spirit it's not possible because if it was possible then the Father would not have sent Holy Spirit if we can do this on our own it's obvious we cannot do it on our own and this is where we get people claiming the name and keep being stumbling blocks about how oh it's impossible to to live life in these bodies and not be and, and be sinners because they are still claiming that they are sinners still and that they also have grace you cannot you cannot be in two kingdoms at the same time, Jesus done already addressed this. You can't serve two masters. You either going to love one, hate the other. You are, you you are either going to be completely completely devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and the devil. No, you can't serve both God and mammon. You cannot. You can't, and if you try to, you're going to drive yourself mad, not to mention you're on the broadway, straight to a burning hell. You will perish, beloved. We must live clean and holy, repentant lives. Incomplete. Gratification and appreciation for this salvation that we did not earn, we could not work for it. It is a free gift from God when we come to Jesus with a contrite heart, complete in remorse, coming through repentance. To receive this wonderful gift called salvation. And we have his amazing grace that teaches us. Let's go to it. Come on, I'm taking y'all over with me. Come on, Titus 2. And then I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to let you all go. Because, folks, believe it or not, I'm busy. (laughs) I ain't that busy. Listen, okay, where are we at Titus two eleven Here we go for the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men it it what grace is talking about grace it teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible. This is what grace does for us. It doesn't give us a license to sin. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible Upright and godly lives, lives with a purpose. Look, that reflects spiritual maturity. Guess what, beloved, in this present age? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Verse 13 awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who, by the way, in verse 14 of Titus 2, willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf. To do what? What? Bring us houses, cars, and lands, and a new man, a new wife? Absolutely not. No. No. What it says here, who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are, beloved, enthusiastic for doing what is wrong. I mean, no. It, listen, okay? I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Who are enthusiastic for doing what is is good, beloved. See, I got the word wrong on my brain is because we are not to be living wrong. We can't be living wrong in this present age and still expect to go to heaven. We cannot be enthusiastic for doing what is wrong. Absolutely not. And this is what we see among the body today. Some are clearly enthusiastic for doing what is wrong rather than what is good. Let not that be counted among you, beloved. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, Hallowed be thy holy name. Father, we give you honor, praise, and glory this day. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you that Christ Jesus willingly went to the cross on our behalf. Thank you that you accepted his sacrifice On our behalf, thank you in the name of Jesus that he is still alive, having resurrected over 2,000 plus years ago. He is sitting in heaven at your right hand, interceding for us as he awaits to make his enemies his footstool. Father, your word is unanimous. We are to live godly lives. Lives with a purpose, eager to do what is good. Because Titus 3 over here in verse 3 tells us we too once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various sinful desires and pleasures, spending and wasting our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when, hallelujah, the goodness and kindness of our God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared in human form as the man Jesus Christ, He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own compassion and mercy, by the cleansing of the new birth, spiritual transformation, regeneration, and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we would be justified, made free of the guilt of sin by his compassionate, undeserved grace, and that we would be acknowledged as acceptable to him and made heirs of eternal life, actually experiencing it according to our hope is guaranteed father we so love your word and we love this time we have to spend together in fellowship with the brethren with the brethren and with you father thank you for your word thank you for wisdom discernment, and clarity. Father, I sincerely do pray that what is happening over there at that university in Kentucky, may that truly be a Holy Spirit-filled and willed revival. I pray that is not deception. I pray that a revival does come on the body of Christ. I also pray that all men everywhere repent, turn from their wickedness and turn back to you, Father, because Christ Jesus is on his way back and he will give to every last single person according how he says it over here in Jeremiah 17, 10 to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Father, <clears throat> Father, we cannot be deceived. Your word tells us over here in Romans one eighteen, for God does not overlook sin, and the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. And unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness suppress and stifle the truth. Amen. Proverbs 11, 21. Assuredly, the evil man will not go unpunished, but the descendants of the righteous will be delivered. Amen. Ecclesiastes 8, 11 because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil amen matthew 25:46 jesus says these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life amen Isaiah 3.11 Woe, woe to the wicked, it will go badly with him, for what he deserves will be done to him. Amen. Psalm 34.21 Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Amen. Psalm 34. 58.10 The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. Amen. Psalm 11.6 Upon the wicked he will rain snares. Fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. Amen. So, Father, where will this fire and brimstone and burning wind will take place? Hmm. Revelation 20. Revelation 20, verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Father, Christ Jesus made it abundantly clear over here in Revelation twenty <clears throat> Revelation twenty one verse eight. Actually, if we started in verse seven, Jesus says He who overcomes the world by a hearing faithfully to Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Amen. Verse 8. But as for the cowards, and unbelieving, and abominable, who are devoid of character, and personal integrity, and practice, or tolerate or tolerate immorality and murderers and sorcerers with intoxicating drugs and idolaters and occultists who practice and teach false religions and all the liars who knowingly deceive and twist truth, their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone which is the second death amen so father as your children we are <clears throat> excuse me we are not clueless about the destination of the righteous and the unrighteous those who do good in Christ will inherit Everlasting life. Those who refuse Christ and reject the gospel, they will spend eternity in this lake that blazes with fire with fire and brimstone. You tell us that the smoke of their torment will rise day and night and there will be no relief for them. They will join the devil that deceived them. He too is cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The unrepentant will stand before Christ Jesus at the great white throne on judgment day. The books will be opened. And another book will be opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And not only that, but death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. Father John On the Isle of Patmos saw this judgment go down. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, Jesus, we repent of our sins. Have mercy on us today, Father. Forgive us. Forgive us, Father, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, your loving kindness. Personally, you saved my wretched soul from certain destruction, and I will be forever grateful, Father. And I pray for the saints that we all stay close to Jesus. Stay ever close to your word so that we are not led astray. We are not being deceived so that just some random false teacher can just pluck us out of Jesus' hand. God forbid, Father. May we listen, follow, and obey Jesus only. We, we don't run after a strange fire. Not at all. Keep us in your bosom, Father. Thank you that for all of eternity, we shall be with you and we will never be separated from your presence ever again. Have mercy on us all, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, saints. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. He is worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Remember, bad company will corrupt your good morals. Come to your senses. If we want to do a revival, well, then let's get to it. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Amen. Amen. Lord willing. Until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now.